Well, good morning and welcome once again. And uh, we've been talking about God's purpose as a, as a series, and we've been started that since the beginning of the year. We're going to continue on with it. And, uh, you know, we can see God in everything he does because in the way that he feeds me what's, what's coming next and how it connects with everything we've already talked about, you can't help but to see God in it. And uh, I have to ask us today as we're listening, what do you want your relationship with God to, to look like? You know, many of us as, as Christians, we want to have a personal relationship with God. But, but for any of us too, we also want to put some limitations on that. You know, one thing we do in the in the Baptist custom is, is that we baptize and it is a an outward showing to everyone else is that we are committed, that we are in this relationship with God. It's, it's to show everyone else. And one thing that we take of that is, is that we are fully immersed in the water. I've seen little cartoon strips where you see someone being dunked in and they're holding up whatever they don't want to let go of, whether it be their, their wallet or, or whatever it is, and they keep that out of the water. But that's a, a very good representation about who we are with God and how we need to be with him. We need to be fully immersed. We need to have him completely surrounding us we need to be dunked completely under but does our relationship with him look that way or is it more that we're just wading in kind of floating on top you know we're just getting our toes wet are we just getting our ankles wet maybe some of us are waist deep where are we at where's our immersion with god and i bring this up because the world gives us so many choices and so many ideas and so many so much information and so much stuff that we can can follow. And I've been saying for quite a while now that we have to filter everything through the word of God because that's the only truth that we have. It is the only thing that we got that is the absolute truth. It is our our basis. It is our foundation. It is our rock. It's the only thing that doesn't change. It's the only thing that's everlasting. It's the only thing that is always current. But many of us want to try to walk in two worlds. And a lot of times we don't even realize that we're doing it. So I was doing a little research for the topic today which is false teachers, ideas, ideology, beliefs, wherever else you want to insert in there. And so I'm looking through the Word of God, find, trying to find us some good scripture to go along with what we're talking about today. And I found over 100 verses, 102 to be exact if I counted right, 102 verses about false teachers. 
And they wasn't bunched together. They were spread all throughout the Word of God. In fact, they covered 35 individual books. And there's a good chance I probably missed some along the way. But just to think about that, over 35 different books. We're talking about from beginning to end, Old Testament, New Testament, over 100 verses. You know, I say when God keeps throwing something in there over and over again, He really wants us to know it. And if we look through the history of the Bible, through the different people that's pinned it down over the different course of time, that's a, a lot of variation talking about the same subject. And it's important. Let's look at a couple of them. 1 John 4 and 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Second Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. Now, let me tell you, this one really, really spoke to me because if you look at the world today and you look at all of the stuff they are telling us, this one is really hitting home because they are speaking lies. They talk about Disease, they talk about gender, they talk about what family is, they talk about all these things that are against God, and they tell us that abortion's okay, and it's okay to do this, and we support this, and we support that, and all these different things that are absolute lies. And yet, we have so many people that is jumping on the bandwagon and want to support it. It sounds good to them. They believe in it. It's their cause. And all of it is against God and all of it is lies. Jude 1 and 4. For there are certain men crept in unawareness, who were before the old ordained to dominion, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God lascivious and denying only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, what's funny too is, is what we will believe. And there's no real basis of it. And it's just because people say it. People write it down. And I've been talking more and more because so many people now have a platform and can reach the masses so easy. 
And when you're talking to people, and as a pastor, as a believer, you're always trying to show God in everything. And it's such a challenge because God is the first thing that people want to omit. You can say that something happens, well, it's because of of science. And people may not understand that science a bit more than nothing, but because someone tells them that it is science, well, wait, that must be the truth. We can say that aliens are causing something. Or it's caused by by global warming, it's called by this, it's called by that, and we'll jump on it because there's someone important standing up in front of you saying it. But when we stand up and say, it's Satan. When we stand up and say, it's God. Oh, well, that's, that's foolishness. And we want to dismiss that. And even as, as believers, we've been conditioned so much And our human condition wants to stick with what we know, doesn't want to change. We don't want to think outside the box. We just want to go with what we know, go with what the masses say. And we wind up possibly following something that's not even godly. Just because we've always done it. You know, so many things that we do in our churches are not about God. They're about rituals. They're about pleasing the masses. They're about the way we've always done it. And in reality, they have no purpose. If they're not serving God's purpose, they have no purpose. For... The longest period of time, people believed that the world was flat. And we can look at the text from the Word of God, and there are a series of verses that go along with that belief. Things that that match up, how the earth is described, and different things. And we can look at that at another time. Then someone came along and said, no, that's not the way it is. It's round. This is how it works. And then we start dismissing what the word says. Well, that's what they thought in the time when they wrote it down. You know, it's misinterpreted. You know, this could mean that, that could be that. We give excuse and justification for it, even though we have no real proof. Because we want to go with what the world says. And we get this stuff placed in front of us. They hand us a science book. They hand us a globe. And they tell us this is the way it is. And you have to ask, you know, why is it that 
So many people would come together to mislead the masses. And we go back to the Word of God where there's 102 verses, over 35 books about false teaching. And we just looked at it because people have their own ideas. They have their own justifications about what they want to do. Let's look at when Jesus walked the earth. We had the Pharisees. Now this was going on before Jesus came and it continued right on after he ascended. The Pharisees were in control of the people. They had all of the religious manuscripts. If you wanted to get a copy of the religious texts of the time, if you wanted to be able to read and look for yourself, we are so blessed today. The Bible is the number one selling book of all time. They are everywhere. If you want to read the Word of God, anyone that wants to read the Word of God can. It is that readily available. There is churches all up and down the street that I guarantee if you do not have one, you can walk in there and ask for one and you will have one placed in your hands. There is digital formats. There is all different versions, all different languages. You can read the Word of God if you choose to read the Word of God. It is everywhere. But at that time, that wasn't the case. And you had to be someone of stature, someone of wealth to be able to have these texts in your hand to see for yourself. And they had to rely on what the people, they had to rely on these people to tell them what was what and what is so. That's one big problem with the the Catholic church today. There is so much filtration of man in between the word and God between the masses and God, they decided to insert themselves and interpret for them. It's a modern day pharisaical situation where they're trying to enforce what man believes is important, what man believes they should know and do and not do. That's why so many people fall away from it because it's impossible to have that connection with God when you have so many things in between you filtering it. But these these Pharisees, these religious leaders of the time, and these, these other leaders of the time, they wanted to maintain their control over the people. Because that's how they maintain their power, That's how they maintain their wealth. And they ruled by, you have to listen to us. You have to do what we say. Otherwise, all of these bad things are going to happen to you. All the things you need are not going to transpire because we are telling you what God wants from you. We are telling you how you need to live your life because we are... Smarter than you, better than you, we are elite. And then Jesus comes along and he says, whoa, it's not the way it is. 
This is not what church looks like. He went in there, he cleaned out the temple. Every time he turned around, there was accusing him of this and accusing him of that. And it's like, nope, this is what the scriptures say. This is my father's word. This is what he's telling us. And you guys are wrong. So much so that they had to devise a plan. They had to get rid of this guy. And they brought him up on false allegations. And they paid off people in the crowd to to chant, to crucify him, to turn the tides, to to redirect. Now, of course, it was all God's plan. God knew exactly what was going to happen. Everything played out just the way he knew it would. And God's always not one, not two. He's three, four, five. He's all the steps ahead. He's ready for anything and everything because he already knows how it's going to play out. And he allowed all of this to happen because Jesus had to be that sacrifice for each and every one of us. And they crucified him. Innocent. Falsely accused. All because he challenged what was right. And many of us are, are, are find it hard to believe that man can be capable of doing these things. That they can be so structured in their own greed, their own ideals, their own corruption of power, that they could come together, make these elaborate plans, and change the directions of the masses. But we have the most prime example of it right here in the truth, in the Word of God, of how they did it. You know, this wasn't a mistake. They didn't mix up the DNA evidence. It wasn't a mistaken identity. It wasn't all the things that we see play out on the true crime network of how people get falsely accused. No, they made up allegations. It was completely and totally falsified because the word of God says that Jesus was sinless. Step by step, it showed us how they took their power, and their money to influence people to influence and put Jesus on the cross. So why is it so hard to believe that this can't happen generations and generations and generations? That people will lie, will manipulate Because Satan is in control of this world. Man turned it over to him. We are all sinners. So why is it so hard to believe? 
How many of you have some religious paraphernalia hanging in your house? Do you have a statue of, a, of an angel? Do you have a, a crucifix hanging on the wall? Do you have a portrait of Jesus? Where do we get the, the notion of these angels, these winged women with their halos? You know, we just went through the, the Christmas season, and usually on top of your tree, you got one of two things. You either got the star or you have the angel. And you know, the angel's always a pretty young lady with wings and a halo and a nice flowing dress. Where does she come from? Because I went through the, the word and because the word speaks about angels. And even gives us some descriptions of some of them. Multiple faces, looking like animals, multiple eyes, real hideous looking things if you want to translate that in your mind there. And uh, God in his infinite wisdom, whenever angels interact with people, he gives them a more of a familiar look. They take on the, the form of, of a man. And the word also tells us that male, uh, that angels are neither male nor female. They're not designed for that purpose. There's that word again. But we often see in the text that they do take on a familiar form, a more human-looking form. Because i got to be honest, if I was to wake from a dream and get interaction with an angel, that's going to be enough. But if it's one of them multiple-eyed, four-faced, animal-looking things, I, I'm not going to be able to concentrate on what they have to say. So God knows that, and he puts something that's, that's more familiar. But if you look at every in encounter, and we look at some of the ones that's even named... There, we look at these angels, and they're always in the masculine form. Raphael. They are described as he. They are described always in that masculine way. They're always, they're always in the form of a male. Not being sexist, what the text says. It's God's choice. So, we, there's no indication. As a matter of fact, I tried to find anything I could to come up where these, these females come from. And the only thing I got to work with comes in Zechariah chapter 5 and verse 5. And then the angel talked with me, went forth, and said unto me, Lift thou eyes, and see what goes forth. And it says what? It is an imp that goes forth, and moreover, this resembles all of the earth. And behold, lifted up a talon lead, and there was this woman 
that sitteth in the midst of the imps, and this is wickedness. And it cast into the midst of the imp, and he cast the weight of the lead upon the mouth therefore. And then I lifted up my eyes and looked and became two women, and wind was in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the F between the earth and the heaven. And then I said to the angel that talked with me, whether these bear the elf, and they said unto me to build the house in the land of the shar, it shall be established upon their own base. So we have Zechariah, and he's talking with an angel, and they're witnessing these two women with wings, and it says they are wicked. All right, so he's talking with an angel. That means these things are not angels. They're a woman with wings, and it says they are wicked. So why do we have these things in our homes? Why are we putting them on top of our trees? Because that's the way we've always done it. Because they look so elegant. They look so peaceful. And we get these stories of our, our guardian angels. And that kind of puts that idea in our head that we're going to get swooped up and we're going to get caressed in that motherly bosom and we're going to get wrapped up in the wings and we're going to be loved and held. But that's all an illusion. And I'm glad it is because if I have an angel that's, that's fighting for me, which I don't need because God is taking care of, of everything. Now, if he wants to use it, however he wants to do it, that is fine. But I want the warrior. I want the scary one. I want the strong warrior. I want the one that, that, you know, that takes on Satan. That's the one I want. I don't want to be held. I just want to stand back and watch the fight. Because I want to win. And this is just one example. One example of how we get sucked into these things because they, they sound good and make us feel good. And see, we have to decide for ourselves. Are we willing to compromise on these little things because we... Like them. We like them. They make us feel good. And we say, well, it's not hurting anybody. But then we wonder why we struggle so much with our relationship with God. Can't walk in two worlds. Can't have one foot in the dark and one foot in the light. We're not fully immersed. No, we're standing waist deep in the water. And we got all of our things from the world underneath both arms that we want to carry around with us because we want to keep because we like them. If 
See these portraits hanging of Jesus. You know, we have like the, we have the Last Supper. Sometimes there'll just be a portrait there with him with the children or just him by himself. And I always wonder, where did they get the, the image to be able to, to paint these things? Because nowhere do we get a description of what Jesus looked like. The only thing he says is that if you see me, you see my father. But he didn't ate the scribes. Nowhere in there. And the fact is that if you do a little bit of biblical archaeology and you look at the area where he came from, they don't have it right. Jesus ain't supposed to look like he came from Malibu. And and that's the image that we get. We get the, the nice white robes and he's got the long flowing hair and it's just it's picture perfect. And this is simply not the case. It couldn't be. We put the, the image in that we want. Well, we hang that picture on the wall, but yet the word says, do not put images of anything that is in heaven. Where is Jesus? Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father, which is in heaven. And see, here we are, we're thinking, we're doing nice things, but we are going against what the Word tells us. And then we start thinking about the purpose. Oh, so someone sees it, and we got Malibu Jesus hanging on the wall, looking all like a model and, and perfect in every way. And then... We have someone with a little bit of knowledge that said, wait a second, didn't Jesus come from this area of the world? Wouldn't his skin color be a little darker? And see, then we look foolish. And it's all because we have these idols. And what is the purpose for it? Jesus doesn't reside on a picture in a wall. We shouldn't have to have a picture on the wall to remind us of what he did. Jesus is with us. He's in us. He's part of us. Same thing with the crosses. Yeah, it's a reminder. Well, we shouldn't need a reminder. We carry him with us. And we have all of these things. And we have to make choices. You cannot be a Christian and have certain worldly beliefs. Now, I'm making a very clear line in the sand there. Because if it is not in the Word of God, it goes against the Word of God, it goes against God's purpose, it is worldly. It's one or the other. 
And you might say, well, I'm a Christian, but I believe in pro-choice. You're not a Christian. But yes, no, no. You cannot walk in both worlds. And when you try to do it, it's the worldly side that's going to take over every time. You can say you believe all you want to, but it is worthless words. Faith comes with action. So we can talk a good game, but it's what we do is what matters. It takes no faith whatsoever to not side with God. Nowhere in the Word of God does it say it is okay to murder under any circumstance. Now, you might argue, and I'm going to ahead and cut you off at the path there, that there was many applications during the, the course of, of battle, during the course of, of war, where lives were taken. And we're talking about two different things. One is killing, and one is murder. That's the same. No, it's not. Killing, if you was to slaughter a hog or a, a deer or a cow and you're going to use it for food, you have to take its life first. You are killing it and you are doing it with purpose. When you murder... You are taking a life without purpose. When David killed Goliath, that was in the thrones of battle. They were under attack. This had to take place. For life to move forward, for the Israel to be able to, to move forward, they were under attack. Killing Goliath had purpose, it was not senseless. When you take the life of an unborn child, that is senseless, that is murder. Well, I, it doesn't matter what your justification is because you don't want to be bothered with it because you may not like the outcome of it. That is not justification. That is murder. And that goes against God. God tells us to, to grow, 
to have a family, that children are a blessing. You cannot support all of this gender rigmarole. You cannot change. You cannot be something else. God did not make a mistake. You are what you are. And if you feel differently about that, that's something you need to work through. The world can't accept that. And you can't go against what the Word of God says. If you're going to follow this line of thought, you cannot be a Christian. You cannot vote down certain political lines because those political lines all follow things that go against the Word of God. If you side with that, you cannot be Christian. There's many people that believe they are are Christian, they claim to be Christian, but are going to be very surprised come Judgment Day. When God says, I know you're not. Because what comes out of your heart, and God tells us that's the true measure of a person, is the fruits of their heart. Not what their mouth says, not what pops into their mind from time to time, but their heart. Only us and God knows that. Knows that condition of that heart. And what comes out of that? And for many of us, our heart does not align with God. They talked about David. He, David had a heart for God, a heart for God, a heart for God. And despite all of his mistakes, he still came back. Came back to God. Got back on track. Came back to God. Got back on track. But we're not wanting to. We're wanting to forget about the past. We're wanting to bounce around in the field and go from idea, idea to idea. And we think we're building a, a brave new world and we're just being accepting of everything. And what we're really doing is, is we're giving... People, a false sense of security. Well, I'm a believer. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I've got all these things. But yet, I have done nothing in my life to indicate that. Where are they going to wind up? And there's so many more now that they don't even care. They don't care nothing about God. And they see all these people that are supposed to be elite, that they're better, that us in these religious channels, that we're suppressing everyone else with our outdated beliefs. And we're, we're judgmental And all these things, 
And there's no purpose behind it. There's no truth behind it. Because no one really, really knows. I love to watch these videos where they'll go out and just ask people random questions of stuff that a person should know. If you've been on planet Earth for a while, if you've uh, attended a a, a class or two, if you have any kind of of common knowledge, you should be able to, to answer these questions. And they'll throw out these incredibly simple questions or or something. And uh, there was one I saw, and they asked, they said, if, uh, if there was gun control, would have Lee Harvey Oswald been able to assassinate Jesus? And the person was like, oh yeah, that, if we had gun control, that would have saved Jesus, and he never would have been assassinated. And never once did he waver from what he was talking about like, because someone presented it to him, he believed it as absolute fact, and was so consumed with that one little piece of that puzzle he was given that he was building a case for something that never happened. Then he moved on to another group of people, and I was asking, did you see that John F. Kennedy died today at age 87? Well, I sure did. That was sad, wasn't it? Yeah, when I I got up, I checked my phone, and it was on my news feed. Really? Yeah, it was so terrible. He was such a good guy. We get so focused on the one little thing that we miss the big details. So many people walking around without any kind of foundation. And here we go, Christians. We think that we are elite. And every time someone walks in, we are free to judge and tell them how wrong we're doing when there's so many things that we can nitpick about ourselves. We want to talk about the way they're dressed or how they're living their lives, and we go home to a house full of idols. And where are we getting these ideas from? What kind of qualifications do we need to know if someone is is a false teacher or a truth teacher? There's so many people now and they want to talk about God, but what they're spewing out of their mouths is absolutely nonsense. But God gave us a filter. We got a secret decoder ring. All we have to do is open up the word. And we say, wait, that's not right. Because it says this here. And then when we do, we can stop listening to that person. When I first started and before with my ministry, I used to like to listen to so many different preachers. You know, that all those different channels you could go to and I would record them every day and and listen to them and just 
because I was trying to get inspired. I was trying to, to fill myself with the Spirit. I was trying to learn, you know, talking techniques and just to try to put a, just as much God in me as I could. And what happened is that over time, as I became more and more involved in the Word myself and my connection with God grew, that I found myself listening to less and less. As big fundamental chunks. You know, from time to time, people are going to disagree and we may have different points of views when it comes to the Word of God on small things. And that's acceptable and that's okay. And and sometimes our our perception changes from time to time as we get and we learn more and more. But when it comes to the, the big stuff, when it's in your face, when God's showing it to you in black and white and flashing lights because it's, it's loud and clear and they're still not on board with it, it's time to let them go. It's time to, to, to walk away from it and start finding people that align with God. And we can do this in every walk of life. I don't care if it's your favorite celebrity, your favorite politician, it's your preacher. Run what they're saying through the Word of God. If they're standing at the pulpit and it's telling you it's okay that you can be a, a cat or wherever else you want to be, not what the Word says, bye, find someplace else. If you're watching your favorite celebrity and they're talking some nonsense... Well, maybe it's time to not put so much emphasis on them. If you're talking about your politician and they're talking some nonsense, it's time to vote for someone else. We have to be willing to give up, stand up, and not put up with things that go against the Word of God.